You're listening to Get Informed America, the only true unfiltered show that's fighting fake news and finding common ground. Now, here's your hosts, Dave Oakenquist and Rodney Johnson. Hello and welcome to Get Informed America, the show that breaks through the mainstream media box to bring you real smart news. Hi, I'm Dave Oakenquist and joining me, as you all know, is the smartest person I know, Mr. Rodney Johnson. Rodney, how are you today? I'm good, Dave. How are you? I'm great. And of course, Rodney is not only this. I don't just have Rodney on here because he's the smartest person I know. In a way, Rodney's having me on here because he he himself is the editor of Informed America, keeping all of us informed. So I want to thank you for doing all of that, Rodney, picking out all the great stories uh, that, you know, you got your eyes everywhere and putting it all together for us uh, to have a coherent worldview about what's going on. And of course, coming on here to chat with me and dealing with my nonsense. So thank you. Yep. <laughs> we've got, we've got my a- <laughs> we got a couple of topics today, Rodney. We want to talk about new data from the CDC shows that COVID-19 death rate is far lower than first estimated. And then the USA is on the move, uh, whether, whether the governments will allow it or not. Yeah. Rodney, let's start with, uh, and of course, you know, there's a lot more going on, and we're going to hit on uh, what's been going on uh, in the economy in terms of the market. So things are turning. And I think maybe the theme here, Rodney, is, that light at the end of the tunnel, well, suddenly it seems a, a bit brighter. So let's start with the good news, Ronnie. This uh, new data, new CDC data estimates COVID-19 mortality rate is 0.4%, of course, which is significantly uh, lower than what was reported. And you wrote, you reported on this on informedamerica.com, uh, noting how back in March, the World Health Organization was saying this thing, the mortality rate could be 3.4%. You know, and, they may, and what was it? Maybe 80 of us are going to get it, and 3.4% of us could die, something like that. But those are just massive, massive numbers. And now, Rodney, as I hand it off to you, the new numbers from the CDC are significantly lower than that, aren't they? They are. And, and to be fair, the CDC said back in early March, or rather the World Health Organization, that 3.4% of people are dying from it. It's like, that seems like it's really outside of what's believable here because that would be a, an astronomically high you know, rate of death where yeah. influenza kills about 0.1, 0.1%. And so from the things you and I were even talking about back then, we were like, wait a second, this, it looks like once you start testing and find out who really has it, we're probably going right. to be closer to like 0.5, if that. And sure enough, that's where we're coming in. And the CDC, even the CDC in early March said uh, 1% or 0.8. So they were very high. And now they're saying, well, 0.4, but that's only for people who show symptoms. When you talk about the regular flu, influenza, and saying the mortality rate is 0.1, that's for people who show symptoms and those who do not, the asymptomatic. When you include those with COVID-19, the rate drops to 0.26. Now, still, you know, one and a half times of the regular influenza, but way short of anything we were told. And it goes all the way back to what you and I have been talking about for months is really makes you question shutting down the economy and throwing, you know, 25 million, 30 million, 36 million people out of work for this. And so, again, I, I've said for months now, I think we're going to have to take a hard look at what we did and ask ourselves if this really made sense. Now, Rodney, just go back, though. I mean, even though that I'm going to just to hit that 3.4% number again, even though the seat or our own government wasn't saying, eh, maybe that's a little high, 
But that 3.4% number, that's kind of what scared everybody, isn't it? Isn't that one of the things that, that, that almost terrified governments into locking things down? I mean, we, you know, we're, we're relying on the science, whatever, and, and sometimes the science can be horribly off with uh, drastic economic consequences. Right. And, and to that point, I mean, it's very scary. Um, but the big fear, and it, it didn't go away. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that we oh, shouldn't no. have taken Look some- Look at 100,000 dead. That's a lot. Right. We shouldn't have taken some drastic measures. The, the struggle was how many people get it at one time and do you overwhelm the health system? That was the thing. And so fewer people are dying from it is a fabulous thing, not nearly as deadly as people have said, which is a great thing. Yes, I question the scientists who went out there with these big numbers when they knew. I mean, I'm a lay person in this. I am not an epidemiologist or anything. I don't claim to be. I do look at numbers, and I was looking at the numbers saying, you're not testing enough people to know the information you're telling us, and that makes it very suspect. And I wish they had been that forthright with it at the beginning instead of coming out with these numbers. Uh, doesn't mean that we shouldn't have done some things to make sure we didn't overrun the health system, but we didn't yeah. have to scare people with such high uh, potential death numbers either. Certainly not. And one of the things, uh, as you mentioned, the, the, those who, who were talking these catastrophic uh, scenarios, uh, in particular, the, the famous one, Dr. Ferguson, who he himself, despite telling the country to lock down, let his mistress in his house, yep. <laughs> who may have been a super spreader. Well, wait but, a second. Uh, Remember, the rules don't apply to people like that. Just, that's right. Just, there's there's you know, always, yeah, yes. exactly. We've got yeah. uh, a, there's a, there's a certain governor who, who you've been picking on a little bit. Uh, it was a great example of that, which we'll, I think we'll get to a little bit later in the show. Right, and before well, we move on, the last thing it is pointing out instead of picking on, but we can go there. We'll get there at the end of the show. <laughs> just, just shining a light on, uh, on things. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> now, before we go uh, to, to the next topic, I do want to mention one bit of information here that, that came out, which, which is helpful, because this is, despite uh, us maybe disapproving, this all is good news. Uh, so, you know, seeing these, these mortality rates fall. Uh, so here we got, uh, the, but the, this, but the more good data is the new CDC says that uh, about 35% of people are believed to be asymptomatic or show no symptoms. 35%. That's a huge, huge number, Rodney. It, it is a big number and it goes hand in hand with some other data that came out uh, in the same press release where they're talking about the death rate by age. And if you're under 50, the death rate is 0.05%. So it's half of what it is for influenza. And actually, if you're under 20, the number is ridiculously small. And so you're talking about a lot of people in America who are, you know, 20 or younger. And if they get it, they don't even notice, right? And so the, the flip side is also true. Over 65, the death rate goes to, I think, 1.3. And then over 70, it gets even higher. And so clearly there is an age range that is much more at risk. And there is an age range where if they get it, chances are they just kind of thought they had the sniffles or something and never thought about it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, actually, the, the real last word on this is this, these, are, these are estimates. These are numbers that come out as more data comes out. Could it be possible, Rodney, that we might end up with a 0.1% somewhere at the flu level? Or do you think it will remain higher? When the, when the final number comes out, Right, right. It's possible. I don't think it will be that low. Um, and the reason is we have some pretty decent data. Um, when you look at like the Diamond Princess cruise ship, that's an enclosed yep. environment. So you can look at the death rate there. When you look at what it causes, coronavirus is what is, is the original disease, but it causes a condition known as COVID-19 
that then fills your lungs, right. which is, of course, very terrible. And so I think that we're going to see that the death rate remains probably um, twice that of the flu, maybe a little bit more. Um, I just don't think we're getting down all the way down to the flu level because yeah. of how bad it is for certain groups. Right. And then that's, you know, that's not so bad, you know, I mean, considering where we, where we were to where we are, I'm taking this as good news. And as we're getting this good news, Rodney, people have decided, look, I, I we've done the lockdown. It's time to get yep. on with things. We, we saw uh, almost to the point of revelry at Memorial Day, large crowds gathering around the country. And I got a couple of interesting uh, charts here that I came across. I want to share here. We've got, uh, this comes from Axios travelers passing through TSA checkpoints. And we know air travel, essentially came to a, a complete halt, uh, moving down as a peak from about 2.25 million uh, down to almost, I mean, practically zero, Rodney, in, in April, middle of April. And now we're, we're clicking back up. We're at about 265,000. So the people are, are, are not afraid to go on a plane anymore. Or not anymore, but at least in increasing levels, it's starting to come back a little bit. And then there's something cool from, from apple.com, uh, COVID-19 mobility. This shows Basically, I guess all the things we've been worried about tracking our movements in our phones. Well, here's it on a graph by yeah, country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so all this thing. Uh, but here we see that basically there's, there's a baseline level. And from January, February, March was going up and above and, of course, crashed. And I uh, got four countries here, Germany, United States, United Kingdom, and Italy. And maybe we could put these up so everyone can see. Italy went... Italy just fell like a rock. Uh, but now the United States, Rodney, and Germany are basically back up to the baseline. And the, interestingly, the two countries pretty much tracked each other all the way around. But the point here, we're not staying home anymore. We're, we're out and about. We're moving. And of course, air travel isn't there yet, but it is clicking up. And I think, you know, what's going on is we're saying we're open. <laughs> and uh, everybody else, you know, leaders, government officials, it's time to catch up because we're, we're going out now. We're ready to go. What do you think of that? Well, it, it, it's interesting because we're seeing governors and county judges here in Texas and other officials who are in charge say, okay, we're open, but these are the rules. Yeah. But then once people go outside, if you're a business, typically a government can have some sway over you. With restaurants, they can pull their license to serve food. Right. With a bar, you can pull their liquor license. You can pull the certificate of occupancy for any business. And so you got, you got some stroke over those people. But if you and I are walking down the street, you know, and, and we're friends, we know each other, and we're standing closer than six feet, that's normal, right, to be two, three feet apart as you're walking down the street. Certainly. We're breaking the guidelines, but law enforcement around the country has been pretty clear. We're not going to do anything about that because we can't. We don't have the manpower. And so, yes, you may go to a restaurant and be seated six feet apart because the restaurant owner has some things to do. But like that party in the Lake of the Ozarks last weekend, where <laughs> you know, it shows everybody six inches from each other just having a big time. The sheriff there was very clear. They're not breaking any laws. We're not going to do anything about that as long as they're not causing a problem. And so this has got to be very frustrating for people, authorities who put into place these guidelines for social distancing and other things, because you can't help but see that we're going to have some sort of rise in infection rate. It, it, it stands to reason this will occur. The right. question is, at what level? Is it enough to cause a problem where we have a bit of a retrenchment? Or do we look at it and go, yep, that's kind of what we expected. We're good with it. We're ready to move on. Yeah. Now, Ronnie, what do you think of this? Uh, as these policies, these lockdown policies, even though they're being loosened, as the, I think the longer they remain in place, I think 
the the more legally dubious they become. What do you think of that? It's just like because we've seen this, as, as you point out, we see sheriffs being like, "Well, you know, I, you know, when everyone's scared and we're kind of like, you know, this is really bad, or otherwise people are going to be dying in the streets, kind of a thing." We all kind of comply and go along with it. But you know, if the longer this goes on, the more times people can challenge these things in court or something like that, and to be like, "What is the actual real law here?" That that kind of a thing. And, and at some point, I think some of it might be borne out to not. Be, to be on pretty shaky legal ground. What do you think of that? I, I think it's true. Uh, there, there are certain things that, of course, you know, you're inalienable rights as, as we list them, right? We yeah. have a list. We don't have to guess at what those <laughs> <Yeah>. are. Um, <laughs> but it's your ability to do some things that are public, and it is general assembly, peaceable general assembly. And so your right to gather with anybody else you so choose, and that right was taken away. In some instances. And that's why I think many governors walked a line where they said in groups of less than X, they weren't yeah. saying you couldn't assemble. They were saying you couldn't assemble in large groups. And I think they had some, some legal ground to stand on with the National Declaration of Emergency, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The governor in Michigan, you know, who said you can't go visit your neighbor, yeah. she specifically said you can't choose with whom to assemble instead of saying a number. And I think she, she crossed a line. And again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a constitutional law professor, but when you read the, the plain words there as to what our rights are, they were abridged by some of these things around the nation. And I think that's a problem. And uh, just because it lasted more than a minute, I don't think makes it less illegal. And they should be challenged because this isn't the last virus we're going to deal with. That's, no. that's what I think we need to come up with. And that's why I kind of keep coming back to that idea of we need to take a hard look at what we did and ask ourselves if it was appropriate because we're going to do it again. Right. And so I don't want to be having these conversations in 2031 when the next thing comes around. I want us to at least have done some analysis to say, wait a second, this seemed to make sense. This did not. These things were wrong. Let's follow the playbook we developed after the last one. Yeah. And, you know, use your imagination here. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know who thought this was coming and uh, you say, you know, it could be another virus. So maybe it's not even a virus. Maybe it's something we don't even, we can't even imagine right now where there's going to be, uh, you know, this, this, this does this set the precedent uh, for, for the next crisis, I guess. So it is, is interesting. And I think these, I agree with you. Uh, those things should be, should work their way through the court so we can get more, uh, more clarity on that. Yep. Now the real test, Rodney, is going to be big crowds in places that attract and need big crowds. And I'm thinking of two examples and two of them that you wrote on informedamerican.com. One is about Disney talking about reopening to limited capacity. And, uh, and one here, I know, and this is, <laughs> you're poking fun at me here because you know I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, you say, my Dolphins owner is certain the 2020 NFL season will happen even if the team still sucks. So thanks, Rodney. <laughs> Thank you, Rodney. Well, although we did get, we did get Tua. We got, our, we got our quarterback, we hope. We hope. <laughs> Uh, but what do you think of, uh, of, the, of the the big crowd issue, basically? That is the issue, right? Because um, one thing, it looks weird. You go to Disney World, if the crowds are thinner, you're thrilled out of your mind because you get to ride more <laughs> yeah, stuff. the way line. <laughs> the interesting thing about theme parks is unless they close the section, they have to have enough staff to run the entire park because they don't know what ride you're going to be on. So even if there's two or three people, the whole darn thing tends to be open and it's very expensive for them. So they need more people. Disney's doing it, I believe, to keep the crowd in flow and to keep their name out there. They don't want people getting used to the idea of not visiting Disney. That's terrible for them. Disney World is the most visited tourist attraction on the planet. 
And so they, they need that to continue. Uh, they won't make as much money. They can't. They're cutting out the night parade. They're cutting out the meet and greet with the characters. Uh, they are limiting the number of people who can come into the park. You have to have a reservation ahead of time. And so they're specifically not going to make as much money. And I think that's worth considering because if Disney has to do this and will not make that much money, what happens to the average guy? Yeah. And then you, you get over to sports. Sports are a group thing. You know, cheering alone is just kind of sad. You're just sitting there and there's no <laughs> sound around you. You've got nobody even to virtually high-five with. You're at home, but you see the crowd and everybody's excited for the same thing you are. They're all yeah. mad at the same thing you are. If you're a Dolphins fan, you got a boo. No high-five. <laughs> we suck. <laughs> you got... You, you, you have somebody to commiserate with. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so um, that's going to be interesting to see how they do that. 100%. Uh, it was, it's uh, something that we will keep our eyes on. And uh, as, as you know, more things develop, we will be, uh, we'll be on top of it. Is, yeah, the big crowd issue, the fear uh, that people might have, and then you know, is, is any, any potential issues of, you know, does this become another vector for an outbreak? And hopefully well, not. And, and I'll tell you, and so this is worth bringing up here, um, it goes the other direction, too. This is this is part of the political fight. Mm -hmm. The businesses do not want to be a hotspot for coronavirus. Yeah. And so if you are a sports team and you say, look, if you believe you're feeling good and you're going to take the risk and you come in and you do that and then you catch the virus and you can track it back to the sports venue, someone is going to sue the team. <laughs> going to. And so these businesses have, you know, they, they have liability and that's what Mitch McConnell wants to get rid of. He wants general release from liability for this. Whereas the Democrats say, well, we want a bunch of money to save cities and states. And so I keep talking about this being a deal that's going to come through eventually. But yeah. a lot of businesses are looking at this rationally and saying, I cannot allow large groups of any size because I will be the one blamed at the end. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, that last bill passed by the House that's just been just been sitting there for how long now? A week, week and a half, somewhere yeah. around there. So and it'll sit a little longer. So yeah, uh, until uh, until I guess there's more pressure builds for for some more relief to to help out. Ronnie, as as Americans are starting to open up, the markets are now feeling a little more optimistic as well. We're seeing the S and P uh, S and P five hundred up over three thousand. The Dow uh, hit over hit over twenty five thousand, which are good psychological markers. Uh, and and as you point out, we're looking you know maybe overall for the year not down all that much as bad as that as that crash was uh, just a little while ago. So uh, it was is this a general move in optimism we're seeing in people people getting out and as well as uh, the financial market seeing seeing some light at, looking at that light at the end of the tunnel well the the markets are forward looking and so they're saying look we're opening back up it looks like things are going to return to some level of normal whatever that is and so they ran pretty fast if you look under the hood of the markets it's not widespread uh, the the companies that are racing back tend to be the names you already know the Microsoft's the Amazon's yeah. alphabet which you know is Google and uh, of course, Facebook. And so the, the big names, the big social names and the big online names are 20% of the S&P 500 now, just those five names. And so they're the ones that are driving most of this. Now, some others have come back. I mean, Goldman Sachs came back with a vengeance. Disney came back, not all the way yet, but I mean, it is making its way back. And so people are looking at it and saying, well, we are going to reopen. So I want to be ahead of it. I want to buy before this all comes back. Uh, should we? Uh, it sure seems premature. We're still 
Last week, we added almost 2.5 million people to the roles of new um, unemployed, initial un, uh, unemployment claims. 2.5 million a in lot of one people. week. That's only good when you know, you're comparing it to the 3 million, 5 million, 6 million in the weeks before. And so I <laughs> yeah. don't think we're through the gut of this. It's an improvement. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the problem here. I think the markets are running ahead. Um, I don't know. It makes me a little nervous. I Believe me, my retirement account, like everybody else's, has come back. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. But this is not over. This is definitely not over. No, I mean, that's where I was going. We, we've, on the other hand, we've seen a string of high-profile bankruptcies. I'm thinking of maybe the most recent one. We've got Pier 1, uh, Hertz, Rent-A-Car, been around for, you know, what, 100 years or something? Yep. Uh, yep. So, so this is, you know, I, I remember seeing a tweet, you know, of all the stuff that Hertz has weathered and, and not not this one. Um, so that's not the end either, right? And we're gonna, we could see more of these high-profile bankruptcies uh, coming away over the next couple of months, right? Yeah, and there's been, I mean, you say Pier 1, I mean, the Nordstrom's and JCPenney's, uh, yeah. J. Crew, And so you, they're the names and you go, oh, well, they were weak, right? And Hertz actually had a lot of debt. Uh, given how the company was structured, it carried a bunch of debt. And so it wasn't bringing in enough money to pay the interest and principal on its debts. But still, you know, you hurt the company. Hertz has half a million cars it has to sell. Yeah. <laughs> half a million. It's a lot. That's going to cause a bit of a ripple in the used car market. To give right. you a sense, that is slightly less than the number of cars that were destroyed in Hurricane Harvey. And so it's going to be a lot of cars that are going to hit the market. Now, they're not all cars people want, a bunch of sedans, right? We don't need yet another Toyota Camry floating around, but that's a very common rental. Like a white uh, one? But <laughs> but hey, you know, I had one uh, years ago as well, and they're great. That's why people have them. Um, but my point is, it's going to weigh on the used car market. At the same time, on the other side, banks are not going to be as interested in lending to people if they're not employed. And so you're going to see, and we already are seeing, a tightening of credit on the lending side. And so if you have less credit available to people and you have more cars available in the market, what you've just done is created a falling market for used cars. And that's the sort of knock-on effect that I expect from this sort of thing. Well, I mean, it's one or the other though, right? Because you might get, that might be good for you if you're interested in buying a car, right? Maybe not if you're- No question. In, no but, question. If you're in yeah. the market for a used car, it's a good thing. The problem is most people who are buying a car are also selling a car. Yeah. Yeah. Good point there. All right, Rodney, since, uh, let's, let's take this opportunity. Let's not poke at Governor Whitmer, but let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's reveal a little bit what's been going on uh, up there in Michigan. Two stories here, because we like to talk about the BS and BS items and a little bit of elite hypocrisy. So, so she's filling both of that role. She's a, <laughs> I hope she stays in office forever and maybe becomes the, well, if she becomes vice president, she won't do anything. So I hope she stays Michigan governor forever. So we can, <laughs> she could generate these stories from us. Uh, the first one here is because Michigan is opening very, very slowly and, and people up there are very angry. There was the what storming the Capitol there, that one protest uh, story here from you, Roddy and informedamerican.com. Michigan governor throws businesses a bone can open by appointment. Now, that's it's really interesting. Now, if it's anything like going to a doctor's office, what do you, what do you, what do you got? Do they make you wait? Or what do you do? Is there a waiting room with magazines? Oh, no, you can't. You can't touch anything. So what is this that's by right. appointment stuff? Who <laughs> get this? It essentially says don't open, right? Yeah, right. Just don't. 
Now, in, in here in Florida, they did, it wasn't by appointment, but I remember one day walking into the Home Depot and uh, they were limiting the amount of people who go into the store. And I was in a queue for about 10 to 15 minutes as I was, you know, thinking about if I really wanted to go into the store. Of course I did, but um, that was... I will tell you though, yeah. here, here in Texas, we have the same thing at Home Depot and I've only had to stand in line a couple of times and it wasn't for long. But the first time I was a bit annoyed. You stand in line for, I don't know, a minute or two and, and I'm looking on the guy's you know, handheld device. And I think the number was 140 something. And so they were ah. trying to keep the number around 150. Yeah. It was the most pleasant shopping experience ever in Home Depot because <laughs> there was nobody in there. <laughs> so on the flip side, like you say, there are some benefits. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Roddy, that, let's, so that's the, uh, just a, it's just strange, but uh, let's move on to a little bit of elite hypocrisy. And I have a conspiracy theory on this one, which I'll save towards the end. Uh, it says, Michigan governor's husband plays, do you know who I am card? And it doesn't work. And this refers to, as they're uh, getting, we were gearing up for the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the, uh, the, the governor's husband allegedly called up this marina and called the guy and being like, uh, you know, can you, can, you, can you tow my boat out to our, to our lake house? And he's like, no, we're way behind. And so it's, it's just not going to happen. And then it came back saying, you know, you're talking to I'm the governor's husband. And that didn't help. This guy took the social media. Uh, now, so. I will tell you, though, I really like this story because, yeah. you know, the guy said that, you know, you go up in north and a lot of people know this, right? I've, I've traveled a lot and have friends up there you don't keep your boat in the water over the winter because okay. it will freeze, right? right. <laughs> and so you take it out of high and dry storage and you put it in the water, typically around Memorial Day. It's when everybody wants it done. But because the governor had closed non-essential businesses, as she determined, mm -hmm. they couldn't do this. They couldn't put boats in the water. They had to wait until it opened up. So it was the last minute. And those people at the front of the line were going to get served and everybody else, they just couldn't get to them ahead of time. There weren't enough hours in the day. Yeah, And so as the owner of this company said on social media, his staff got a call from a guy who was told that it couldn't happen. But then he had said, well, would it help to know that I am the governor's <laughs> husband? Now, I got to give him credit because the way the story reads, he was respectful and understanding. When he said, do you know who I am? And they said, yes, we do. And we still don't care. He essentially said, okay, I'm good. I yeah. tried it. The, the hypocrisy didn't work for me. I'm just going to go. So he threw the card down when the other side said, I don't care about your card. He's like, okay, fine. I tried. I'll go home now. So anyway, right. he was good, a good guy about it. So. That's good. Well, and, uh, well uh, the Governor Whitmer said that it was, it was a joke and it just came off wrong. Uh, and of course, here, right. she, here she is, you know, telling now that, that was just open. So that was uh, by, by allowed under her or, or relaxing in order. Uh, but she did, did is, dis, is discouraging people from, from still making these trips despite uh, loosening the restrictions. Now, here's my conspiracy theory Rodney okay <laughs> they realized <laughs> they said oh man we got a it's Memorial Day coming up I kind of want to go up to the lake house honey and she's like all right well let me <laughs> let me peel back the rules a little bit <laughs> so we can open up the marina but then it's too late so then he tried to use his clout and it failed so that's a, wow. that's my conspiracy theory what do you think of so that? it's a broken conspiracy theory it's a yeah. it's a bad theory it's a or at least well, bad it doesn't point. have to always work it's just <laughs> So if she would have been much smarter about it, what she would have done is in the middle of April, she would have said, look, I'm only going to open remote areas of the state that have a low incidence of COVID-19. 
and she would have made sure that her lake house was in one of those counties, exactly. but done it soon enough before Memorial Day that nobody connected the two. That would have been way smarter. That would have been a lot slicker than trying to strong arm the guy on the phone. Uh, Clearly, they need to hire us for their next conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll end up in prison for some, something. <laughs> We're terrible criminals. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Rodney, uh, this is an elite hypocrisy, but I, I, think, I think people like uh, media hypocrisy. This, this comes from the Washington Post. Uh, a little bit of a fun item here. Two headlines. I know you like these. Uh, headline number one, you don't understand sarcasm, how Trump and his allies downplay his comments. Okay. Headline number two, come on, Biden's you ain't black comment was clearly a joke. <laughs> Thank you, Washington Post. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, what a gaffe, right? I, <laughs> Joe Biden, I, he's been helped in some ways, and I'm not alone in thinking this, right? Because he is a gaffe machine when he's in front of the microphone. <laughs> Him being out of the limelight for a month or so. You know what? I, I know it's hard on his campaign, but it also means that's 45, 60 days of comments he did not make. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hilarious stuff. Rodney, is there any, uh, any BS, any oddball items out there you want to hit before we get out of here? No, I like the sports item, and uh, I like the Michigan item. So those were the ones that I was thinking of. So I think we've covered it all today, Dave. Excellent. I want you all to become informed Americans by subscribing to this channel. Let's create a conversation. Comment below. Tell us what you think about all these items we talked about. And if you've enjoyed the show, hit the like button. And I want you all to go to informedamerican.com and get real smart news in your inbox. Go there, sign up, throw in your email, and you can get all the great stories from the smartest person I know, Mr. Rodney Johnson. Rodney, uh, over the weekend, over the coming days, what are the, what the, what are the stories that, are, uh, that you've got your eye on that uh, people might see either in their inbox or on the site? Well, this is the end of the month. And so uh, we're going to get into June next month. And of course, you know, it'll be the end of next week uh, when we're going to get unemployment. And that's what I'm watching. Uh, this is going to be very interesting to see what happens with the numbers. Mm -hmm. And we didn't talk about it here, but the Atlanta Federal Reserve runs a model called GDP Now. They estimate second quarter GDP to be negative 42%. Oh, no. Negative 42. And I, yes. And I, I got to tell you, these numbers are so big. I just so don't for understanding them yet. And so that's why I'm watching the economic numbers with trepidation, as they say. Yeah, and uh, not to get too far into that, but th that uh, includes all that government spending to offset yep. even uh, some of it. So not even close. <laughs> oh, well, awful. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rodney, for joining. Thank you all for watching. For Rodney Johnson, I'm Dave Oakenquist telling you to get informed, America. You've been listening to Get Informed, America, brought to you by the Informed American Radio Network. Please like and subscribe today in order to get new exclusive weekly episodes. Any questions, thoughts, or comments can be sent directly to info at informedamerican.com. And don't forget to visit informedamerican.com to keep up with real, smart news. Until next time, fight fake news and find common ground.